Okay, everybody. Hello, 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 hello. This is episode number 26, season 2 of the Pro Wrestling Fan Blog Podcast. Um, listen, I'm just, I know it's been taking a while since I've been trying to talk about these, um, situations, these pro wrestling stories. I know I haven't been going through a lot of wrestling stuff, but I will promise you guys there will be two, uh, today this week because i will be talking about that um there'll be some interested story stuff and uh, of course you know we'll be talking about many more um just begin with uh i may try to cover um i guess the aew rampage and i'll do dynamite as well okay okay so, I want to show you guys something that I'm surprised to see this is happening. But, wow. <sighs> as crazy as can be, but, um, yeah, this is from Preston. Here, um, this is from Preston Vance. That's also known as number 10 of the Dark Order, who shares this post, I mean, shared this tweet, on, who posts this tweet on uh, his Twitter account and says a little note, <laughs> which it says here, um, you, it says here, you were... And this is about Sarah Lee, okay? He says here, You were one of the few people I told about my wrestling dream. You told me to go for it, and you did the same. You always supported me through the years, and you were the one of the first people to graduate me when I got signed. I forever cherish all the memories at Central with you. If I was having a good day or a bad day, I could i always count on you to have fun. One of the last texts you sent me was, I'm so happy for you, I want to cry. You generally wanted to see people do good, which is rare. You're one of the good ones, Lee. A with the red heart emoji. And apparently there's some old school photos. I guess what it is, is... Um, I guess Sarah Lee went to the same school, same high school as Preston Vance, and he's already hooked, and he's already sad enough how things happen. And and uh, I'm I just didn't know that. About, about this, so, um, so, yeah, so, it's kind of sad to see this happening. Okay, well, I'm going to mention this, that there are, have been conversations about, uh, the late Sarah Lee, um, with her passing, and on top of that, um, there are some things that would be very much shock. Now, I know this is kind of crazy to talk about, but yeah, it's really nuts. Anyway, and also I want to tell you guys, the last time I had check like, on the GoFundMe for 
uh, Sarah has almost gotten to a hundred thousand dollars. There's anyway. Anyway, anyway, um, oh wait, never mind. It's already updated. Uh, whoa, hold up. It's already reached the goal. <laughs> okay, so if you guys don't know, since Bull James traded this, this organization, this, uh, fundraising for this whole entire funeral, it's already came up to, it was originally set for $20,000. There's, and it was created about two days ago since since Bull James had posted this. It's now got over a hundred thousand dollars. And to see this happening, I'm wondering. And for for those who are wondering, who are the top uh donor? Well, from the only three names that I could see who are the first who are top donated um then of course there's some people i don't know of and then of course i see uh the uh titus o'neill who donated two thousand dollars but the top three who donate the most were chris jericho with two thousand five hundred gavin owens who donated under his real name kevin and using his wife karina Steen, which they came to five thousand dollars and the one who tops the most is tony khan worth ten thousand dollars um so yeah <laughs> um so yeah this is kind of a shock situation um but <laughs> i guess Corey just made it it is the best I guess it's already been happening. Of course, somebody's thinking this is something I have to do with... Do what... We don't know what caused her to pass away. For somebody who put donating $5, I don't know if that's the reason what happened to her. We don't know what happened. For somebody to say that, that's disgusting. Anyway, according to what this has been posted here, there. Um, if you still don't know this, uh, what happened was Bull made this. Uh, Bull James made this out two days ago and is now surpassed over a hundred thousand dollars. Anyway, he says here, we are all shocked and saddened by the sudden death of tough enough winner Sarah Lee as her loving husband Corey picks up. The pieces and continues to raise them. Raise their three children. Last thing anyone in that position wants to be worried about is money and paying for a funeral and everything else that come along with it. The wrestling community has always been one to come together in the wake of tragedy. This and this is no different. Every penny raised from this will go directly to Corey and the kids. Thank you all in advance. Rip Sarah, you were one of the good ones, bull. Now, for somebody who who put this here is we don't nobody knows that's the case, but case. But anyway, 
Okay, so Bull, um, Bull is raising the money as the organizer, and the and it's beyond behalf of Corey Weston, otherwise known as uh, Weston, like, and if there's anybody who could definitely. And no, and I can't believe the pro wrestling community came together for it. And it's the funniest thing is because I'm also seeing this tweet because I'm going to talk about him. And it's even though it's his Twitter handles at Wyndham Six, it's but it says Wyatt Six, and uh, it's actually Bray Wyatt. It, he tweeted this. By the way, I will talk about him in, in this podcast. Anyway, he tweeted out, One of the most important things that you can do on this earth is let people know they are not alone. This is a horrible tragedy that happened to a good man and his beautiful family. He would do it for you. You. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so as a late, and by the way, when I'm going to say some stuff, when I looked on Instagram, um, there were some posts, one from Athena um, Palmer, who, who shared on her Instagram account about the wedding that she went to, and she was posted with, uh, with Sarah, and another one, the man known as Mace, or Brendan Williams, you guys, or you also call him by his VR is a, a VR tuber name, Jibo. Uh, <laughs> he uh shared on his Instagram account. Uh, I guess this was before ba- before daughter number three was born. Um, it was real that his. I guess his oldest really wants to meet a princess. So, in other words, he brought his girls to the wedding thing with his wife. Which, by the way, a a um, which by the way, uh, he right away a Brennan. Oh my what? I'm sorry, my dude. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so definitely, definitely, this is kind of crazy. Um, but it was, but it's still a lot of sadness. I mean, I'm pretty sure there might be more coming on Instagram, maybe even Twitter. Or, but ever since I had heard, ever since I had found about Preston Vance, who... Uh, said something about Sarah Lee. It was, you know, kind of a sad situation, you know? Okay, okay. So, anyway, I'm going to... Let's talk about the uh, results of of Deadity Extreme Rules. Anyway, I'm going to go over the highlights and also talk about who are in these matches and stuff. Anyway, so first off, let's go for a little quick hits. Let's understand these are results, so understand spoilers will be happening. 
Anyways, first of all, we have for... Let me go over the, some of the quick hits, and I'll try to break it down. So, first we have the Brawling Brutes defeated Imperium in a good old-fashioned Donnie Book match. You have Ronda Rousey defeat Liv Morgan in an Extreme Rule match to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. I guess it's, it's been, what, a while for Ronda to win. You have Karrion Cross defeated Drew McIntyre in a strap match. Oh boy. Bianca Belair defeated Bailey in a ladder match to retain the Raw Women's Championship. Finn Balor defeated Edge in an I Quit match. Uh, Matt Riddle defeats Seth freaking Rollins inside the fight pit. And of course, Bray Wyatt made the shock and return to WWE. <sighs> um. Let's see here for a while. Alright, so, anyway. So, apparently, it's been revealed there are, um... So, I guess what happened was Seamus... I guess the team was Seamus, Ridge Holland... And and Pete Dunn, I'm not referring to his daily name. This is so ridiculous. Uh, took who are the brawling brutes, and they defeated uh, the trio of Ludwig Kaiser, Giovanni Vinci, and Walter. I'm not referring to, again. Like I said, I'm not referring to his daily name because the. The pro wrestling community lot had went completely insane when they heard this. So I guess what happened was Seamus, Pete Dunn, and uh <laughs> and uh Rich Holland and just like annihilate them. So anyway, um yeah, that's crazy. I guess it was a crazy. I guess it was the battle of who's better, the UK or Germany. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, um, so I guess Ronda Rousey had an, had decided to take out Liv Morgan in an Extreme Rules match to win the SmackDown Championship. <laughs> crazy. Now, I don't get this. How the hell did... How the heck did... Um, I know I shouldn't say specifically, but I should go down to... I don't know how Triple H allowed this to happen since he's running in the asylum now. Um, <laughs> the WWE asylum. But a strap match between Karrion Cross and Drew Galloway, really? Ugh. Anyway, um, that's pretty cool to see Bianca Belair defeated, uh, Bailey. I guess, I don't know, I have to look into this. But, Finn Balor forces Edge to I in a quit in a heartbreaking I quit match. I saw the tweets, and it was Rhea Ripley who made Edge to say I quit. But she's still, and guess who he tried to hurt? Why, Beth Phoenix. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, this is career... That's career suicide. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but... Yeah, that's nuts. 
Oh, no way. So, inside the fight pit. So, let me see this. So, Matt Riddle, which I'm surprised he went back to that name, back to his real, back to using his first name, good. Uh, it says here, another grudge match benefiting extreme rules. Matt Riddle and Seth Rick and Rollins tore each other apart inside the fight pit. The first ever match of its kind of a premium live event. So it took, so I wonder they took, uh, something like this. So I guess this is something that I guess this was talked about. <laughs> That's kind of crazy that happened. And I guess from what I can see from the clip, uh, I think this is most must have been turning to uh, MMA rules. So anyway, it's so the last thing that ended off the night that made the wrestling fans happy is the identity of the White Rabbit. It says here, <sighs> in the weeks leading up to Deadly Extreme Rules, a mysterious presence seems to be stoking the imagination of the Deadly Universe. The right. The White Rabbit. The mysterious person that left clues and messages hidden all over the Daddy program with QR codes, sending the Daddy universe spiraling down the rabbit hole. Well, despite it was badly enough, it was first called out by Ryan Satin's fiance, a Erica. Anyway, it turns out, in, as Daddy Extreme Rules was going off the air, the White Rabbit revealed himself none other than a returning Bray Wyatt who seems to bring back his whole Firefly Funhouse entourage. After catching the brief glimpse of the fiend and a broken down Firefly Funhouse, the Daddy Universe erupted into a war as Wyatt entered the arena with Wyatt bowing out his signature lantern and simply start stating, Run. One of the most uncertain, unpredictable, and downright creepy superstars in Duddy is a, a. What does the sinister Wyatt have planned after making his jaw drop in return? <laughs> well, I don't know what, but it's kind of crazy. Now, I just also wanted to show you guys. I also wanted to tell you guys. I nearly almost couldn't believe this happened, but. Sean Ross up, Cap. Share the headset to uh, retweets. It's a, uh, a Twitter account. And it's from a Twitter user goes by the name Wayne Bumpess, who says here's my daughter stayed up all night for Bray Wide and wasn't disappointed with me with three laughing crying laughing emojis. And he says, Welcome back at Wyndham Him Six. It's hashtag extreme rules. And the funny thing is, Bray responded to him, to the Twitter account, to him, and says, This is why, hey, I miss you too, all of you. <laughs> so I guess Bray liked it. <laughs> so, so a lot of things are questioning about what is to expect for the returning Bray Wyatt. Um, 
I don't know. There's possibilities. Of course, there's also somebody who also uh, was in shock to see his return, and that is Alexa Bliss. That's the woman who's who's now ha- who has been um, happily been married aid a for like uh, a few months or so. Oh, to the one and only Ryan Cabara, Cabara, sorry, Cabara, um, tweeted out this, and she says, hello, old friend, and the funny thing is, Josh Williams tweeted that to her with, uh, three smiley emojis, <laughs> and the reason why she says, hello, friend, is she referring to to Bray returning. Um, so I know what you guys are saying. What's this mean? Um, I guess what happened was, I guess uh, Alexa was just saying hi to Bray Wyatt. Because if you guys didn't know, before he, before Daddy ended up releasing him, uh, Bray was actually turning Alexa Bliss into a follower. But um, since Bray's when Bray got released, uh, they decided after, uh, they decided to help Lex, Alexa Bliss to be detran, de, uh, detran, I don't know if I should say this, uh, go back to the way she was. And I guess this was, was some kind of work in progress, especially since she was around that time also getting married. So, I guess, I guess for, I guess for Alexa Bliss, I don't know if she is going to go right back to, uh, Bray Wyatt, but it depends on how Duddy, it depends on how Duddy Creative goes for it for this. Now, I know most of you guys are going to ask me a question, and that is, what is the situation with, uh, excuse me, um, with them, with uh, <laughs> the Donnie Pro. <laughs> oh, jeez, that is got weird. Um, I know you guys want me to talk about is the Donnie Brook, <laughs> the uh, dummy, yeah, the Donnie Brook <laughs> match, the good old fashioned Donnie Brook match. I guess this is something to say in. I guess referring into the United Kingdom as far as a just just a <laughs> brawling match. Um Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> I guess I should read this. Um, Denny has the, I guess, the explanation. It says, One day removed from Seamus and Seamus and sorry, Walters fighting in the second Intercontinental Championship match. The two led their respective fashions into a good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. Donnybrook Theater, this was not, as the two factions used every weapon they could find to deliver a heart race and carnage. So, in other words, this was a freaking hardcore match. match. <laughs> hardcore, uh, 
almost several children. I was just saying about almost heading, almost not really heading towards ultra violence. Like seriously, Daisy. <sighs> let let's let 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 the CCW have this one. Jeez. Imperial Realm controlled the early minutes, dispatching the brawling brutes with haste and dropping Seamus onto the bar at ringside. <laughs> Rich Holland turns the tie by showcasing his press of power when he dropped Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci onto the map. Uh, oh boy. The upper hand was short-lived, though, as Kaiser and Vinci struck Holland with an imperial bomb to the floor outside the ring. While the dead universe at a fever pitch, the Celtic warrior and the intercontinental champion began trading haymakers in the center of the ring. Uh, because Walter's the intercontinental champion. God dang it. In the center of the ring, with Seamus hitting ten beats of the of the bod ran and on the ring general. Walter's not the ring general. God dang it. If Walter can the only person that Walter did not face before he joined DD was Christopher Daniels. So can we not firm that? Before connecting to the with the broke kick, Vinci broke up with the pinfall, possibly saving the match for Imperium. As Seamus locked, locked Walter in the clover leaf, the wind seemed certain for the brawling brutes until Kaiser jumped into the ring and struck Seamus with a shillelagh. Oh no. The shillelagh again reared its ugly head when <laughs> be done and Ridge Holland held Gunther down um, long enough for Seamus to hit his rival in the face. <laughs> it held, held Walter with down long enough for Seamus to hit his rival in the face with a weapon. Seamus doubled down on the rampage by planting the Intercontinental Champion with a Celtic cross through a table, taking Walter out of the mat. Unlike last night, when Walter reigned supreme, the brawling brutes delivered in their match, coming out with the victory after Seamus knocked out uh, Vincey with the bro kick. Ah, oh, Shamey, you still have it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh okay so I I guess I guess that's a good thing. So I guess the good of I guess Dolly Poker is referred to uh um uh actually that's the, I don't know. Don't, something has to refer to something in the uh UK, isn't it? Oh, it's an heated argument. <laughs> Typical. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's kind of crazy. And on top of that, 
I mean, I'm surprised that the pro wrestling community is very much uh, at least happy enough to see uh, the return of Bray Wyatt as well as there's other things happening. <coughs> oh yeah, one other thing. <coughs> Actually, I kind of found out through TikTok by one of the by uh one of the two uh wrestling fans who talk about uh all about all this. Uh, Suplex is his name. Had shared off the uh WrestleMania logo. Oh. For um, for ne I think what's it for next year's WrestleMania? So, <laughs> oh no, Mo oh jeez, Mike Mizan tax the Flyers, his mascot. Uh, is there a way we can ban them, the Miz? Ever returning to the state of, of Pennsylvania? Because <laughs> seriously, we don't. Want, I don't want them. Nobody wants the Miz being in there and beats up everybody. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, it's been so. Yeah. Uh. So. <laughs> so it's been. Alright, so, yeah, anyway, so what about, <laughs> that's what I was trying to say, is, um, so, Dunny he had, so it's been revealed, uh, thanks to Suplex, that Dunny has released, revealed the new, uh, logo for the upcoming, for the, uh, for WrestleMania 40, and I think, wait, where is this taking place? Right here, Oh, it's in in two years, right? Ugh, could I forget? It's taking place on Li at Lincoln Financial Field, held. And which, by the way, the logo for this? Good grief! <sighs> Since WrestleMania forties is coming back to, uh back to Philadelphia. <laughs> and the last time they were there was for WrestleMania uh oh, WrestleMania fifteen, so this is what about twenty five WrestleMania years so sorry is later. Uh. Yep. Let's see, it says here. Not surprised there's a Wikipedia page for this. It says here WrestleMania XL is the upcoming 40th annual WrestleMania professional wrestling pay per view and live stream produced by WWE. It'll be held for wrestlers for the promotion's Raw and SmackDown brand divisions. This Event is scheduled to be held a as a two night eight, eight event taking place on April sixth and seventh, two thousand twenty four, at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It will be the second WrestleMania to be held in the city of 
Philadelphia after WrestleMania 15 in 1999. It's true. <laughs> it was taking place of once was known as <sighs> the first shooting center, which is now known as Wells Fargo Center. Um, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that's where currently the Philadelphia Flyers, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Villanova Wildcats do play there. Um, I've been there, I, I have been to Wells Fargo Center, I think, for a concert, but anyway, uh, but yeah, um. <laughs> um, yeah, and by the way, if you guys want to know that WrestleMania 15 was so crazy, um, there were a lot of matches in just that happened, went down for Diddy, um, like, okay, I'll give you, like, a crazy result, um, of course, there was Jacqueline with... Uh, Terry Ronalds defeated Irie with D'Lo Brown. I forget why. Um, there was a battle royale to determine the tag team championship when uh, D'Lo Brown and the uh, late test uh, won when uh, Charles and the Godfather eliminated each other. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, Bob Holly, who was wrestling as Hardcore Holly, defeated Al Snow and Billy Gunn, <laughs> and for and it was the triple threat for the Hardcore Championship before it became twenty four seven. Um. <laughs> oh, and Owen Hart, the late Owen Hart, and Jeff Jarrett def defeated D'Lo Brown and Tess and retained the. Uh, Tag team titles. Of course, there's, uh, Deborah was in Hart and Jarrett's corner while Irie was in, uh, Brown and Tess's, uh, corner. Uh, there was a Brawl for All match, which is actually a boxing match between Butterbean and Ain versus Bart Gunn, where Butterbean defeated him in a, in. There uh, a singles match. <laughs> Which would determine the special guest referee in the main event between Mick Foley, who was wrestling at that time, a mankind defeated Paul White, who was at that time was known as the Big Show. <laughs> um, there was a four corner elimination match for the Intercontinental Championship where Road Dog uh, retained the uh, championship. Uh, and defeated Dustin Rhodes, who was running as Goldust, as uh, Ken Shamrock and Val Venus. Yes, funny. <laughs> um, uh, there was also Kane with <laughs> Kane with the late China defeated uh, Triple H via disqualification. Uh, Sable retained the women's championship against Tori. As in, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, I see. 
Terry her name. <laughs> uh, of course, and then there was Shaman Man, who the def- who who defeated X Pac. <laughs> Sorry, Shaman Man defeats Sean Waltman, formerly known as X Pac, and for the European Championship, <laughs> he redeemed that. Um, Undertaker, her had defeated the late Big Boss Man in a Hill and Cell match, and <sighs> since Mick Foley was the special guest referee, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin, and ends up defeating in The Rock uh, to win the championship, and it was a no disqualification match for the Daddy Championship, and it says here the corporation was banned from ringside. Um, it was a weird year. Anyway, it was it and the whole entire story was about the corporation. Um was set up by Vince McMahon and 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 it was short lived because of because <laughs> it didn't last long. Because there was uh some kind of crazy alliance with um where was it? The ministry became the corporate ministry. But anyway, the members around that time, there was Vince Man, his son Shane Man, the late big boss man. Of course, Dwayne Johnson, otherwise known as The Rock, he was part of this. Uh, Ken Shamrock, Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe, Sergeant Slaughter, Shawn Michaels, the late Test, Cade, the late China, Paul White, and Triple H were all, all, all part of this. this. And then, of course, when the number, when the winner of numbers, they end up merging with the ministry, darkness to create the corporate ministry. And even though they were feuding against them. Now, the ministry of darkness was another story. <laughs> Um, of course, with the corporate ministry. Now, of course, the members of the court of the ministry a, was the Undertaker. Shaman Man was a mole within the corporation. <laughs> John Bradshaw Layfield and uh, Ron Simmons were, at that time, were bodyguards. They were part of this. They had, there was Midian, the late Viscera, who was also involved in this. Of course, the, or it's the time of the, it says here, the brood, but didn't last long, um, of Edge, Christian, Gangrel, although Christian is now part of uh, AEW, so I'll let you know that. Yeah, Edge, Christian, Cage, and Gangrel, and of course, little, and of course, Paul White, he formerly owns the big show. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. And then, of course, the corporate uh, um, ministry came together, which it was Vince McMahon, The Undertaker, Shane McMahon, uh, Raw Simmons, Br- JBL, Midian, The Late Viscera, Triple H, China, Late China, The Late Big Boss Man, uh, Ronnie, Pete Gas, oh, and The Late Paul Bearer. <laughs> They were all part of this mess. <laughs> it's actually a lot of... Actually, this is one of many... Um, one of the many stables Triple H was involved. 
elf with of course there was the corp of course actually the first one ever w was uh degeneration x x and then of course the corporate the corporate ministry um of course he was also responsible of the authority <laughs> and that was of well, let's see who was involved to this. Besides Triple H, uh, of course, his wife Stephanie, Vince was involved to this. Randy Orton, then John Moxley, Roman Reigns, Seth freaking Rollins, uh, Scott Armstrong, um, Kane, Billy Gunn, Road Dog, Batista. Crazy. Uh, Joey Mercury, Jamie Noble, and Paul White. I don't know how that happened. Oh, I forgot about Evolution. Holy crap. I forgot it. This is another one. I forgot. Those. DX. There was DX. The corporate, corporate ministry. Evolution, evolution is a mystery. <sighs> of course, there was some kind of crazy situation. Of course, there was the authority. I mean, there were a lot of things, but I don't know how many stablers... Stablers. I don't know how many stables Triple H has been involved into in his whole entire Duddy wrestling career. <laughs> but God... Die, God dang it. It... Triple H, you're a man, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, I guess there were a lot of... Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Crazy as it is. But the one thing for sure is... I don't know, which... Which one was my favorite stable that Triple H was definitely involved in? Yeah, definitely, definitely D-Generation X. <laughs> yeah, crazy. You know, it's the funniest thing ever. I should talk about this. Um, you know, this is, this is a perfect way to figure out some great wrestlers there's, um, who definitely deserve to be part of even if it's the past or the present, like which stables that they were like great in for tag teams too. I mean, yeah. I mean, we'll to start off with. Uh, I mentioned Triple H. I mean, he was involved in DX, the corporate corporate ministry. There was Evolution and the Authority. I would say his best would be D-Generation X. The worst probably be the authority. And it's because... Because... I don't know. Maybe because as... Because D-Generation X was all about the shenanigans and stuff. And... Corporate Ministry was like... No. The authority was just like... Yeah. It's like... But I would say it's 
think that would be. But, let's see, another rest that I can think of. Hmm. The man known as Finn Balor, formerly known as Prince Davet, at old, but his real name was Fogel Davet, and actually because I knew who his, his real name knew his real name was Fergal Devitt because it was um it was because of the uh cause of the sh- crazy show that uh Impad Rosson was involved of of I guess that was re- otherwise known as uh, a New Japan's Russell Kingdom uh show and I would definitely say yeah, and that's where I knew his first knew his name because of Mike Danae. Anyway, um I would definitely say out of all the stables, I think the best was Bullet Club for for him. The worst, I guess, is whatever he and he and uh Rhea Ripley and uh uh, Damien Priest and, for some reason, Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic, and I'm, I'm sorry, but that's how I see it. I know what you guys are saying, so what's the difference between Bullet Club and whatever that is? Uh, easy. It's because Devitt was the one responsible for creating Bullet Club. Uh, what he did, what he's doing right now, did he? Yeah, that was just, I don't know, crazy and swiped it out of edge. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. But, yeah, I would definitely say Bullet Club. Because he's the man who created it. And it definitely was proved out by New Japan. And even though it's still, even though it's still going on today with, uh, what, Jay White as the leader? <laughs> or I'm, or I'm, or is I missing something? Hang on. <laughs> Life. Yeah. So who's currently leading this? <sighs> so Jay White is, but also evil. No way. <laughs> Daki Watanabe, otherwise known as evil. Ugh. I don't know why I still remember or or before or what the Nubby had a damn makeover. I could still remember in my head he bitten Chris Hero, oh, and he in somewhere in Canada. <laughs> but yeah. Mm. Bullet Club for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Mm. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say that. Bullet Club was definitely... Was the best for him. And I do mean it. Yeah, that's what I'm just going to say in defense of it. The stable definitely was the Bullet Club because it meant something because it was all about, even though it was mostly about uh, Devitt. And, and in my defense, that's what I'm saying because it, because New Japan, I guess, really liked proof this storyline and having him to create it it's like really kind of crazy but yeah um but whatever he's doing right now daddy it's like nah <laughs> um another name comes to mind claudia castanoli oh yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot of situations that everybody's gonna question me like what do you mean? He never was in WWE. Well, that's true, but I mean, if you want to talk about stables, we're going outside of it. Um, but specifically, we'll start off with I don't know. I I think all I think the best ever. I don't know. That's a question. I mean, he was part of the Kings of Wrestling stable. Even though it was the weirdest thing is, it was actually started off as a there's a funny story about this. It was started off as a trio. Then it was slowly became a tag team. Then it became a stable. And now, and then, of course, it was disbanded in Chikara, but was brought back up again in Ring of Honor as a tag team. And I know you're going to say to me, Lindsay, what do you mean by? Well, Chik well, I guess the story about Chikara was... About the Kings of Wrestling. It became a trio because it sort of started out as a trio that of Chris Hero, Claudio Castagnoli, and Eric Cannon. And then suddenly, I don't know, Cannon was either kicked out or he'd drop, or he was, uh, didn't want to be partake it anymore. I don't know. And then it was Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli. As a tag team. Then some reason became a stable. And for some reason. Claudio was somewhat part of it. Until he got kicked out. For some reason. The stable did end up getting disbanded. Then after. Um, who ended up. Somebody tried to kick out Chris Hero. <laughs> but then it did resurface. Back up into Ring of Honor. And that. As a tag team. And the two um, who, as the tag team I'm referring to, took the names as known as the Kings of Wrestling. 
is definitely Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli. <clears throat> so, yeah. There was that. Um, there was, of course, Claudio was also part of Prince Nana's embassy in Ring of Honor. Back in Chikara, uh, where he was ended up being part of, known as the Bushcraft de Cruzes, or known as the BDK, a stable that was created out. Originally, the original leader was Aris, but until he was removed, and then it became, and then Claudio was the leader, until he left, after, and then it came to the... And then it was run by Tim Donson until he changed it to something else. Um, but then it was reformed, backed up by Donson's former associate, uh, Jacob Hammermeyer. Or as he likes to say, Jacob Hammermeyer, because <laughs> of the German accent. <laughs> Um, but then, of course, I think it ended up being disbanded completely. Because the last thing I had heard was something. But anyway, um, but yeah, there was the, the Bushcraft de Cruzes. And then, of course, his weird dirty run. And he was never part of a stable. He was put into many tag teams. But I think the best tag team he was when he was in WWE was definitely part of the bar with Sheamus. But then, of course, then when he got released, came and returned, and then peering up in AEW, reverting back to his WWE, going from from being his WWE name to back to his ring name that everybody is familiarized, and then being part of the. Blackpool Combat Club. I'm like, really? <laughs> um, but yeah. Of course, for Claudio, um, am I missing something? Oh, no, I am. Claudio was also part of something. St Wait. Oh, Swiss Money Holland was a tight team, wasn't it? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <Got> you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Swiss money holding. If you didn't know, but that was a tight team. Yeah.
Yeah. Of course, I'm going to remember hearing that Claudio also teamed up with... Actually, he was actually teaming up with uh, Eddie Kingston. But, yeah, there was the... Oh, yeah, and also Claudio was actually part of... Uh... <laughs> this is a funny true story. Um, Claudio was part of a... Was being a trio known as, um... <laughs> was part of the Ice Cream Trios, Ice Cream Junior, and El Hio del Ice Cream. Known as very, Claudia was part, known as very mysterious ice cream. <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, there was the Kings of Wrestling, the Bush the Crafty Cruises. Definitely was part of the embassy. But otherwise, he was just part of state. He was part of tag teams. There was the Real Americans with Jake Hager. Of course, it's funny thing watching those two went at it again and in WWE. <laughs> um, then, of course, with Tyson Kidd, yeah, TJ Wilson. Yep, TJ Wilson and Claudio Castanoli, believe me. There was the bar with Seamus, the artist collective. Wait. Oh, so he was part of the stable. Okay, so fine. We'll put the artist collective into this. I guess that has to deal with Sami Zayn, Shinsu Nakamura. It's, well, although it was a trio, I guess. But then, of course, being part of the Blackpool Combat Club, I guess, I guess the, the concern to have the worst, I guess, would be the artist collective, because that was weird, Erd. because it was Sami Zayn and Claudio and Shinsuke Nakamura, and I don't know what was behind this. But then it became a tag team. Yeah, I guess if this was a stable, that was the weird. This would consider to be the all was awful because it didn't explain much. But I think for the best, hands down, it's a toss up between the Kings of Wrestling, the Bruce the Crafty Cruises, otherwise known as the BDK, and the Black Back Club. But wait. I knew Garcia was going to be part of this. So, I, 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 I knew it. I was thinking. I was like, trying to check out old episodes. Uh, uh, trying to figure out where I met with AEW. And I was like, Garcia has no way he's going to stay with, uh, with uh, Jericho. Proving my point, I knew Garcia would come. 
Yeah. I knew he would be par- perfectly part of this. Yeah, so like I said, the reason why I have a toss-up between them is because, one, the temporary time of him being part of the Kings of Wrestling was, as a stable, was short, much short-lived. And it's probably because the t- as he and Chris were gotten nearly mad at each other there, and it was head-on on... <sighs> Wait, he said, I said three. Well, Claudia was definitely part of the embassy. Because he was managed by, uh. <laughs> he was managed by, um. Prince Nana. Which apparently had <laughs> <that was> short lived. <laughs> because. Because of the Kings were wrestling reunion. Because even though that time Claudio, when Claudio was joining the embassy, eh, under what was it? This it was the second run, wasn't it? And actually, there was a funny story about this. Even though it's not mentioned, I don't know if it was here. It's not mentioning about it. I think what happened was it's probably its second reincarnation. You know, I don't know, maybe it was the first. I don't know, wait. It was some reason during that time. was that time because what happened was there was a time when Claudia was part of the embassy and they feuded off against Larry Sweeney in his stable known as uh, Sweet and Sour Incorporated which he which which uh, Claudio and Chris ended up feuding but yeah I mean the Kings of Wrestling the Pusha Cafe Cruises the Embassy or Blackpool Combat Club would be the best. I don't know. I think it would be definitely be the Kings of Wrestling. It would be it's a toss up between the Kings of Wrestling and the Blackpool Combat Club, because it was really crazy. Although because currently because Claudio is part of the Blackpool Combat Club, and he is being managed by uh, William Regal, which there's a funny story about this. Um. Uh, there was, yeah, this is definitely, yeah, the story behind this was, uh, Claudia and, uh, I guess because of the, I would say, why the bad book, I know, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think about this. Why the bad book comic club is because he was being managed by William Regal. And there are a lot of guys who had wrestled at least anonymously in in the independent scene and on top of that uh, and I will say this each of them 
either held a Ring of Honor championship or a PWG championship. <laughs> In the case for Claudio Castanoli and Daniel Garcia, Claudio is a former former PWG champion, and Daniel Garcia is the current PWG Prison Girl Hall champion. <laughs> Even though Garcia is currently the Ring of Honor Pure champion, and Claudio was once the Ring of Honor World Champion, although we need a second run. <laughs> but yeah, and then of course the Kings of Wrestling, even though it was originally started off as a trio, uh, but it was also somewhat of a stable. But <sighs> I guess, yeah, I guess I would defend this. And the reason why, it's because, let's just say, Claudio and Chris. Yeah, of course, of course, the Wikipedia page would explain it. This year, the Kings of Wrestling was a professional wrestling stable that worked on the independent circuit. It was formed in Chikara as large stable, but also appeared in numerous promotions, mainly as a tag team of Chris Hero and Claudio Castanoli. Hero's manager, the late Larry Sweeney, and valet Sarah Del Rey, uh, who still is employed by WWE. But she was also got released. Yeah, she's still part... Yeah, she's currently employed by WWE as the assistant head coach, producer of the development of their development territory at NXT, based in the WWE Performance Center. Yeah. We're also part of the group at different times. Different times. The group also comprised of Icarus and Grand Kuma, who Team separately as Team Fist, friends in similar tights, as well as Eric Cannon, Mitch Ryder, Max Boyer, Chuck Taylor, and Shane Hawk. Actually, I think he... I don't know. Wait, I was about to say something stupid. But yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, if... I think except for Larry Sweeney and even Mitch Ryder, I think it'd be a funny reunion. The only thing we have to do is bust Sarah out, but... British will be happy. I mean, consists of Eric Cannon, Chris Hero, Chuck Taylor, Claudia Castanoli, Granicuma, Icarus, next week, Shane Hagedorn. I don't know. I don't know, that would be an interesting reunion. But, yeah... But, yeah. <laughs> if there was any chance of a Kings of Wrestling reunion... I don't know. Amara, Sarah, Sarah Del Rey is dirty locked in. 
some of the others are an independent scene. Chuck Taylor, all except for Chuck Taylor, we know where the heck he's at. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <sighs> Chucky T himself, Chuck Taylor, was definitely part of the Kings of Wrestling. <laughs> but now he's part of the stable known as the Best Friends. But Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, the Orange Cassidy, and Chris Stant Stratlander. <laughs> and occasional appearances by Trent Beretta's real life mother, Sue. <laughs> of course, there's. I would definitely would say. If, yeah, I would definitely would say that, but I guess for a current situation, I would definitely say the Bat Bull Combat Club. Um, and same thing with Wheeler, Utah. I mean, I mean, this is what his second state will be part of. Well, he was part of Best Friends, but till he till he was get betrayed. Yeah. Of course, I also heard they were part of. I think they were announced to be part of uh, Chaos Stable as well. Though it got changed too many times. But <laughs> Yeah Definitely would say that But, yeah. <sighs> anyway, um... <coughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, yeah, because... I so. Um, let's see. I noticed there were other wrestlers who were in stables that were probably good at the rhythm. Well, except for The Undertaker. <laughs> the only stable he was the only few stables he was involved of was mostly was part of uh the Ministry of Darkness, the corporate ministry, and then of course the time of representing WWE against the ECW uh ECW WCW Alliance. But I it 
I, you know, and then, of course, being part of the tag team with Kane. But I just feel like The Undertaker by himself, I mean, there was no need for that man. <sighs> yep. Um, let's see. Who, who had better luck as part of a stable? I don't know. Actually, no, I do. Dang it. No, there's one that's biting me right in the butt. And it's because of, because of Aris and, Aris and Claudio. Actually, it's because of Aris he brought him in. It's Tim Donst. I mean, in his wrestling career, there's only one stable that he was definitely involved in that he took it as his own. And that is, is the Bush the Crafty Cruises. Ugh, god dang it. Actually, it just made me realize that th- about the Bush the Crafty Cruises, besides that, not only because, one, it's on. And I, how I say it, because it's a German, and it's in, it's a German, it's in German, and it means the order of the, of the brother, but I think, or the Rose Brotherhood, I think. Anyway, craziest part is about the meeting gates, actually, even though I kind of looked through it all Wikipedia, I would say them. Probably, uh, let's just say, almost every wrestler has been trained by Chris Hero. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's the reason about the first craft they cruises. <laughs> it is. It is the only funny thing I could just think about. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the Bushcrafty Cruises. Jim, yeah, it's German for the Brotherhood of the Cross. Sorry, was a, and the reason why I kind of knew this is because I had to look through the first time I looked into this, and <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I just, and even though the funny thing is, uh, even though, wait, Aris is still active? I like his wife. (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't know, Aris is, is a, uh, Swiss professional wrestler. He married a Canadian in wrestler known as, uh, Alice in Danger. They they have a child together, uh, who and they're living in. I think what is it? They live in Las. I think they currently live in. I think they currently live in Las Vegas. <laughs>
Yeah, that's the craziest thing. Anyway, let's see. Yeah, Aris. Claudio Pantanoli. Even though, I think, yeah, even though Aris and Claudio were trained by some uh, a Swiss wrestler, but when they made their way to the United States, they got a little more training and with Chris Hero. And of course, there was the unmatched story about the Jakarta Wrestle Factory, which is very much questionable. Because uh, the only person I'm not referring to because of this situation is the man who founded uh, the man who founded uh, Chikara and the Russell Factory was very had a, had some real crazy reason. It's actually a sensible topic. Let's see. No, okay. Of course, Daisy Hayes, she was part of... But... Huh. March 22... March 2002, she made a professional debut for Gateway Championship Rossum based on using a hippie stoner gimmick. The gimmick was a tribute to her father, who was a hippie, and died when she was 15. And the ring name is the product of her sister's imagination? She wants to legal... After she wants to change her name legally to Daisy Hayes, after Savage Garden singer Darren Hayes. Oh. Yeah, she was she was trained by Delirious and Kid Cash. <laughs> Delirious was trained by Gateway Championship Wrestling. Yep. Let's see if there's Dita. Wait a moment. Of course, then there was the mystery of Dita von Stockwald, which, no mention of who he trained, but there's no freaking way this is true. Oh, good grief. Yeah, and say Dorado. Devil was trained by Hero. Maybe Claude? There's no way he was also trained by Claudio. Well. <laughs> that is very questionable. Oh boy. Yeah, Sarah. Sarah Del. Sarah Del Rey. She was trained by Brian. At least probably Brian Danielson. Some other hunters, I guess. Soldier Ant. Who was the Soldier Ant? Wait. Oh, yeah. Soldier Ant. Oh, yeah. Of course, Mike. My dear. Mike hopes. I don't really know it's Tim Dolls. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
I was, yeah, definitely was right. As I remember, most of them were all trained by Chris Hero. I know it's kind of crazy. But, yeah. Oh, that's how it happened because of, because of what happened. But teacher, Yeah. Dieter von... I'm still having a... I'm trying to make sure to understand this. Dieter von Steinwald? There's no way in heck he... It's him. Then who trained him? Oh, no. Don't tell me. If he was... Alright, if you guys don't know, there's one name I'm trying to understand. And it's the man known as... Hatsalus... Tracy Williams. Oh... Wait a moment. Fire. Alright, if I'm trying to understand this, Fire Ant is really who I think it is. Alright, so we have a little mystery. So, apparently, Dieter von Steinwald, a wrestler in Ch wrestler who was part of the Bushcrafting Cruises, who was also known as Silver Ant and Green Ant, it is the one known as Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Which I kind of know much since the, I guess it has to deal with of evolved wrestling and upon that others scenes. But if this is true, so if he was. Silver Ant. Soldier Ant was... There's no way in heck it's Drew Gulak. There's no way that is entirely true. Gulak like, is in fact uh, like Soldier Ant. Wait, that means if he was Soldier Ant, was he part of the revivaling of the Bushcraft Cruises? Oh, good grief. 
and of course Orange Cassidy was the original, was also part of the colony, and that was fire ants. You know, I, I still, I still had. There was no way of, of finding out who were who was part of this. Fire ant, electro ant, ultimo ant, worker ant too. There was worker ant. Soldier ant, green ant, silver ant, and carbon ant, even though it's revealed to be none other than Pinky Sanchez. Yeah, gee, I, I never know if they were, if the if the colony were ended up being unmasked. I mean, the only one who got unmasked was Carpenter ant, that would revealed to be none other than Pinky Sanchez. <laughs> I do. I wonder where I wonder where Pinky is at. <laughs> Yeah, but the otherwise, I don't think the, I don't, I don't think the, I don't know how to say this, but the calling never got unmasked at all. Had to. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah, there's only two. I looked for unmasked, and there was only mention of two. First, it says here, uh, beginning in 2008, Fire Ants once began, once again began competing in semi-regular as a singles wrestler and began a heated feud with former ally Equinox, who has since unmasked himself and began competing under his real name, Vin Gerard. Alright. And then this mentioned... And here. On November 22nd, 2009, at Three Fifths Tales, Carpenter and Ant became Oruto and unmasked as to reveal himself as Pinky Sanchez while also joining the, the Bushcraft de Cruises. Yeah, there was no mention of them being unmasked. And I don't know why they was never been unmasked. They were never been unmasked. And that's the question that somebody should have answered. But there's no way heck 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 that Orange Cassidy, Tracy Williams, and even Drew Gulak were all members of the colony. That would be preposterous, really. I mean, it's never been revealed. The only ones who, the only one, who, one who got unmasked, that was part of the colony, was Carvinant, who turns out to be another than Binky Sanchez. <laughs> Good grief! Yeah. All right, so I don't know what's going on, but it's safely to say that uh, Brennan Color is now being advertiser AEW Dark Elevation 
And the reason why I'm saying this is because, um, because I don't know how to explain it, but Evil Uno just like retweeted it, and it's been much confirmed, to say the least, that uh, Dark Elevation, I guess Brandon Cutler's coming back ever since the uh, whole entire uh, fiasco with CM. Hulk, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and every, nearly everybody got suspended, including him. So, I guess safely to say a color is coming back, but the question remains is if any of the others are coming back. Well, I don't know as of yet, but it's been... But it's... It, I don't know if this is... I guess this is much of a good sign that Br- Brandon Cutler is coming back to, uh, into AEW. Despite that, he has been working as the Young Bucks, uh, um, cameraman, and for quite a while, you know, uh, but I guess best to see him back into the wrestling. See... Things. Um, but yeah, it's kind of crazy, and maybe, I don't know, maybe this is a good thing, I guess, um, <laughs> and it's crazy enough that today is, also, today is also Tony Khan's birthday, oh boy, <laughs> Actually, speaking about stuff with, within, um, I guess, with what's going on within, uh, AEW, et cetera, et cetera, uh, AEW, you, uh, Um, let me see here. Oh, yeah. There's an article from Fightful. This article, it says here... <laughs> About Road Dog. Um, it's written by uh, Robert D. Felice, who says here, er, in the article, Road Dog says, WWE Raw has been easier to watch for the last three months. Feels AEW's TV show isn't fluid. Wow. <laughs> so, anyway, this is what he says here. Road Dog says Daddy's shows has been more platable under the new regime and claims that TV shows from the competition aren't fluid. Bruh. Road Dog recently returned to WWE, taking over for Jeff Jarrett as uh, uh, Senior Vice President of Live Events. In the past, Road Dog has shown to have an aptitude to for helping to develop talent as part of the NXT staff. 
now he's back into the fold at WWE, and he's praising the current direction of WWE shows, telling Josh Martinez on Superstar Crossover they find that Raw and SmackDown to be much easier to watch under this new regime. And understand this before I read this part. Just understand that Road Dog uh, uh, is friends with Triple H, so there. <laughs> so, in other words, and which, by the way, is really kind of crazy. But anyway, um, the article says here: if you come to, if you come out to this show, you you what. What you get to see, and it's really it is all of our top talent, and you mentioned on top of that stack is the bloodline and Sami Zayn. Man, look at Sami and Roman, and some of those backstages were priceless. I mean, award winning nominations. It was like I was watching a TV show or a movie, but it's these two guys I know and love. <laughs> really. Road dog. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, it's not going to give you primetime Emmys. Believe me when I say this. <laughs> um, I just think there's some magic there. Even with this dynamic of the... One Uso not liking the other, and it's television gold, and I love watching it. I would love even more to be part of the creative, creative of it, but that's not my job right now. Road dog emits. Oh, jeez. Oh, sorry, man. Man, it's so fun to watch, and it's commonplace for me to say this. His company is the best, and the other company's not. But their television show is not fluid. It's not. Things don't connect. I don't know. I just can't follow their television show. Um, you are not supposed to be. Hey, if you're, I mean, bruh. When, <laughs> when I watch Raw now, I will admit, three hours of Raw used to be a challenge. It used to be a challenge. But for the last three months, it's been a joy to watch and a breeze to get through. And SmackDown is e even easier. I don't know. I just love what I'm doing, man. Bro. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, um, let's see. Continuing on. When pressed further, Rotel confirms he was alluding to AEW's program and was an as if perhaps his schedule prevents him from truly watching a AEW Road Dog agreed that maybe the reason he feels the way he does. <coughs> you could say that for sure, he said. I don't I also don't know their talent like I know our talent, you know what I mean? So it's more difficult for me to have a connection to get into because I don't know those guys. Oh, God dang it. Yeah, he knows one. And he just buried him. Oh, road dog. Ouch. I just realized he just buried Billy God. Ouch. 
out, out, ouch. How could he throw his former tattoo partner to the, underneath the bus? Oh my god, poor Billy Gunn. Uh, elsewhere in this interview, Road Dog talks about the Oh, and not just. Oh, not just Billy Gunn. Oh, I hope you know about Christian. Didn't he? Didn't he go to Christian? Oh, ow. Oh, good grief. Uh, elsewhere in this interview, Rodell talks about change he's seen during the brief time Triple H has created control. Uh, Rodell, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and X-Pac will all be in the house for the season premiere of Monday Night Raw, emanating from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, on Monday, October 10th. That's today. <laughs> so, yeah, um, my thoughts about this is it's kind of crazy, but... I mean, I somewhat much agree to this, but at this very same time, um, I mean, because what's been going on with uh, with uh, AEW is uh, very much turbulent because of the of suspensions and and Twitter, the pro wrestling, sorry, the Twitter and the pro wrestling community is so want Sammy. Guevara gone, and which hopefully we want t- uh, t- his his woman uh, just hey uh, gone as well. <laughs> so I can understand where he's least coming from. Um, that is somewhat I don't know uh, fluid. And maybe, but it's just a disaster because of, because, because of, uh, suspensions and, and you don't know how long they would be out for. Alright, so. And, uh, oh, <coughs> oh, this is going to be in so much in trouble. Um, you're not supposed to, uh, by the way, I have a rule all the time. If you ever talk, of, if you work for anywhere else, if you work one place and you talked about about others out that are not part of where you're at, you're going to be questioned. As I'm going to start questioning identities because they are, you know, especially because you're not supposed to talk about outside competition unless it was okay. Just like how bad enough Road Dog did this. There's another there. It says here in this article, also from Robert DeFleece, says here, Deputy Director of Long-Term Creative Rob Fee naming his favorite wrestlers outside of WWE. Yeah, and I think it's best to keep your mouth shut. All right. 
Unless you got permission. And if this is one it says here, a tweet, according to the article, a new Duddy executive is talking about the wrestling world at large. Rob V was recently hired by WWE as the new long-term creative director with the experience in the world of comic books, MTV, and Disney program. V now finds himself in the world of WWE, which can arguably be described as an amalgamation of the different brands he has experience with. A fan of wrestling overall, Rob recently tweeted about the all the different acts in wrestling that he enjoys watching. Yeah, and this is why there's questions. Now, I know people are saying, Lindsay, you're gatekeeping. Uh, not really. That's Daddy who's doing the gatekeeping. So, and plus, I have to say that. I mean, seriously. Because, unless you, unless you don't commit to, unless you don't work there, the best thing is you, you don't talk about the others. That's, really going to cause a lot of trouble well, with um, lawyers and stuff. Anyway, the, the article continues. His list encompasses names from Impact Wrestling, AEW, Japan, and the independent scene in large, including the list are names such as Jamie Hayter, Mike Bailey, Tony Deppin, Koto Ibushi, and more. Which, of course, the which apparently Robert did not mention that he was answering a wrestling fan who goes by the name Black Saber Jr. Oh, no. <laughs> and they apparently the fan tweeted, Can't help but wonder what non duddy wrestlers are at Rob Fee's favorites. He responded, saying, Oh, man. And they mentioned Tony Deppin, Jamie Hayter, Will Ospreay, Mike Bailey, Ikaru Shida, Santana Jet, what? Hmm. Uh, Vlad Torres, Willow Nightingale, Naito, Jack Cartwheel, bro, Daniel Garcia, Abushi. How many I'm list out to list? Lol. <laughs> Anyway, the article continues. Fightful Selected recently reported on the Hiram feed, noting that he's a big Bray Wyatt fan and previously pitched an ideal for a Bray Wyatt movie. Really? Dunnery has had added an interesting name to the employee in an equally interesting spot. Fightful has learned the horror Robert, uh, the horror writer Ralphie recently joined the company, starting full time work in October and officially signing this week with the, for the spot of director of long term creative. Fee has worked as a horror writer for for Marvel in the past, as and how, and has been well regarded for his work. He penciled comics for Spider-Man, Daredevil, Avengers, and was the head writer on several Disney shows. Fee once pitched a theme-related movie that was said to has resonated with 30 higher-ups and has a 
and had the possibility of getting produced. However, Bray Wyatt was short released shortly after, so the project couldn't get produced. However, we have been told that one of Fee's early projects with WWE has been the direction and production direction and the production of the QR code related cryptic messages we had been see we seen on television in recent weeks that had gained an incredible amount of buzz. Fee is known as a longtime follower of wrestling and sources within the company said they were that said the was very familiar with the product. So, Rob's probably the one responsible for the creative ideal that signifies of Bray White's return. Well, that's kind of crazy. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I am really much to say this the least. But, you know, this is much of troublesome. Um, to say the least, but at the very same time, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at things that you that are going on in any way, shape, or form, right? And because you know it's so kind of crazy to say the least, but at the very same time, you know, this uh, the tweets have been like, yeah, you know. You can't unless you are very much committed to to one company. You you shouldn't be talking about others. I mean, it's bad enough. Like, if I can go through all the list of my favorite wrestlers, no matter if they're working for uh, WWE, AEW, uh, Impact, or in Japan, any of the Japanese promotions, including New Japan, or uh, any of the independent scenes, I mean, I know there's lots. I, and to start off with, I mean, you know me. I mean, I will go through every last one, but, um, but, you know, there are a lot of wrestlers I do follow, um, mostly the ones who should definitely should be get on television. I would definitely would love to say this and I will go to war against anyone. One of them is being Kid Bannon. The other one even though he still follows me and even though he hasn't been much seen wrestling even though I'm dying for any promoter out there or heck anybody to book him and that is Tim Donst and the reason why I'm saying this is because the last time he was last time he wrestled was at uh oh, what was it an eight an absolute intense wrestling show where uh where Kaplan ended up calling out where Kaplan ended up uh, cutting a promo on Tim Donst, and it was crazy. But the biggest mistake was him uh, t mentioning about something that is very much sensitive to him, as much as it is to me. And let me explain. I think I mentioned this in a couple episodes ago or so, but the one topic that I... I warn any any wrestler out there, and I hope no one uses this because 
it is considered to be taboo, in my opinion. And this is talking about uh, a family member's uh, a situation of a family member, no matter what it is. And for and for Tim Dantz, never mentioned about uh, what his uh, what is what his father has done to his mother. And if you guys need a little bit of a refresher, let me explain. Uh, I re- I remember this very well because it was the it was the craziest time that this cuz this happening during this situation of this of that weekend. What happened was back in 2016. It was around June, I believe. Yeah. Um what happened was cuz it was an ugly weekend, and I'll say th- why it was so ugly. Because around that, around Friday, I watched uh, Donstis' uh, former uh, trainer uh, Russell at it at Evolve, and it was believe me when I said this, it was crazy. Okay. So anyway. Um, yeah, I had to watch it. Now, Saturday... Now, around the time we were about to enter into Saturday, I was about to go to... I was going to go to sleep. But to my horror, there was uh, something really bad happened. And somebody ended up passing away. I'm not saying who it is because this is not the appropriate time for it. And then the next... And then the next day after finding about somebody's passing, um, there was something also terrible happened. Now, understand, this whole entire weekend was happening in Florida, to say the least. However, the next day, hey, this happening, um, while everybody was dealing with, while everybody was talking about this and that, and what was, I woke up on that Monday morning, and all of a sudden, I see a tweet, get my notification from my phone, and somebody was responding to uh, to Tim Dots, and I'm like, "What the heck's going on?" And sure enough, I see uh, I see the tweet of this individual responding to uh, Tim, and it says here, and he says here. Um, his mother got hurt by his father. And, in which, by the way, if you guys want to know, uh, long, the crazy, the long story show is, um, alright, let me put this in the way you guys can understand. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but, anyway, what happened was, it was actually started back in January, uh, 2016, before this situation went back down in June. But what happened was, I saw a tweet from him, and he was not in the mood. And the reason why was uh, he didn't say anything as much is because something was going on. And it turns out uh, there was family issues, and I didn't know what was going on. But, until, but by the time June rolled in, and... 
and all of a sudden, I found out there was him tweeting off that his mother got hurt. And this happened, and he t- this happened almost a week ago. Oh. oh. And I was like, what? And, yeah, I was stunned. There was an article. And, by the way, I'm not talking about a pro wrestling article. No. This is a legit article. And it says his it, first of all it real of his mom mom's name and then his dad's name, I think. Now understand this. Now as you guys don't know, as oh um Tim's parents were in, are in fact have been uh I guess been divorced first. Because of of something happened to his father, and even though he needed help, help, but what happened was he was kind of had a job going, but all of a sudden, I guess what happened it was revealed that he lost insurance, and which, by the way, how I know this is actually because there was another article. Or something that his uh, father ended up uh, jailed. And he's he's somewhere in... I don't know where he's been jailed. But if you guys want to know what happened... um, The article stated that... At... um, What happened was his... His father was somewhat, even though they did not specify about this, but what happened was his father was not uh, not well. For some reason, he was off of his uh, off of his meds because um, the insurance he had, he lost it from his job he was in, and the next thing you know, um, for some reason he got got I I don't know if I can sound to say this but he got a weapon I guess um plenty of them and he drove from from Lancaster all the way up to Ohio uh, to find his ex-wife if who's been happily been remarried aid and um and for some reason, she was minding her own business, and next thing you know, she got hurt badly. And thankfully, a good Samaritan came and uh, make sure, and make sure she was okay. Had to get help for her, and sure enough, it was when I read this, I was scared for her. Her, uh, to see this happening, and sure enough, um, she ended up hospitalized, and she managed to survive this. And as for his father, he kind of uh, started. Got, he escaped from Ohio, and somewhat land uh, somewhere around, I don't know, down south, south or something like that. And police ended up arresting him. 
and ended up bringing him back. And now the last things I had heard was his father was definitely being served in, in a prison for the rest of his life because of what he has done. And, and it was very horrible to hear about this. And actually, the well, the first part I kind of had heard about this through, through Tim. The second part is I had to do some research about this. And when I read that, I was horrified. Of course, um, of course, not as much as seeing my, seeing, uh, somebody left the comment, and when when the fact was, it was all even though it was nothing have to deal with his father, they're doing the most heinous act ever. Um. Which was not it, for some reason it got you know the p word I'm not want to talk about, and then of course his uh his of course he tried to respond to him, but you know it was not it he tried this person trying to make it something that it's nothing have to do with it was just how terrible I had to see this because it was because the way how. It was. I mean, it made me sad to see that, a, a to see a wrestler like Tim Dons to have his parent and uh his family, his parents at least, uh go through a lot. So because of that, I mean, for some reason, Kaplan decides to use that that in his promo. I'm like, bro. That is uncalled for. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna destroy him for saying that. that. But I don't think he actually did. But to say something like that, that was very much uh, questionable. But you know, it's something that is really hurtful to say the least. But yeah, yeah. But I don't know if that would ever happen. But. You know, it's kind of crazy to speak about. Hmm. Okay. Um, I want to put up for this episode before I wrap this up. I have to tell you guys something very interesting. What happened was, I saw something on uh, the wrestling Reddit it, known as r slash squared circle. And apparently... It is something that they somebody posted. They sh- they got information off of a uh, Japanese website. Um, apparently, it was that I think it was sometime around yesterday uh, a, or the day before in Japan time. Uh, there was a funeral for uh, Antonio Anoki, and apparently, a lot of Apparently, there were a bunch of New Japan talent who were there as pallbearers. However, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, who I believe is still employed with WWE, uh, was actually was allowed to go oh, and be the pallbearer for uh, one of the pallbearers for Antonio Inoki's uh, funeral. Um, if you guys don't know much about this, um, I mentioned this in the last podcast or as I believe, um, Antonio Noki had passed away, and apparently, uh, 
and apparently the funeral was uh yesterday or the day before um around uh, in japanese around japanese time um i don't know what time that would have been probably in the morning um apparently or in the afternoon uh apparently they had the uh funeral uh, and the way how they ended up carrying the coffin was that about almost everybody who's has been wrestling in New Japan and yes Daddy Star Jinju Nakamura uh were all uh there to carry out the coffin of Antonio Noki with black uh black coats and has a and wearing face mask and on top of that they also have the the red scarf. It is very much important if you guys don't know Oh, about this. <sighs> Antonio Noki, in his whole entire career, especially when he's in the political world, Antonio Noki has always had a signature red scarf. <sighs> anyway. Um... Uh, Anyway, uh, there has been a lot of, anyway, even though I had to find this information out on the, uh, information through off of Reddit, but yeah, it was really shocked to have this happen. Anyway, um, yeah, and even though none of the English uh, news sites will cover this, but the person who got this information ended up off of a Japanese news website. Um, let me see if I can look for it. Um... I don't know if I saved it. Yeah, this coming up is... Uh, dang it. Anyway, let me see if I can do another way. Uh, 
There we go. Square circle. Uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, I'm looking to see if there's anything. <laughs> I guess I can't find it. Anyway, um, oh, well, this is something else. Somebody post this. It says there the three musketeers attend Enoki's funeral. Ooh, wow. This is crazy. Ah, Shinsu Nakamura, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and I think that is, uh, Oi. I think I know who this is. It's just... Oh, wait, Shibata? Huh? Really? Okay, so it is Shibata. I'm just trying to understand who that is, is next. Okay, yeah, it says Shibata, I think. Um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Hence. So, apparently, they all were at the funeral. Now, I had heard that there was a much of a fear. Heard the last time of a extraordinary uh, Japanese funeral, well, except for Hanukkah, what, uh, which I'm pretty sure there are hardly anybody because of what was going on. Um, I think the craziest funeral they had was the one for, uh, oh man, the one who founded uh, Pro Wrestling Noah Masawa. And I think there's a possibility I may know who attended the funeral. That is uh, Chris Hero. And I know there's a little story behind that, but anyway, um, so yeah, um, yeah, I'm surprised that happened, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> actually, before I wrap this off, I also wanted to tell you guys something. <laughs> uh, I kind of figured this out through Twitter, and it's actually from. The one and only Trent Beretta. Oh. Anyway, it's revealed that his mother, Susan Marsuccio, because that's actually, that's his mother's name. Actually, it's, even though Trent's real name is Greg. Um, sorry, I kind of knew about this. And actually, his mom did mention about that. Um, anyway, 
a tweet tweeted out, Hello, my mom at Su Shul wrote a book and at Change O Jo Cha Mango illustrated. Anyway, <sighs> anyway, upon details, uh, Mango uh, uh, revealed uh, the reason behind it. Anyway, it turns out that the it turns out Mango did the illustrating for uh for uh Sue, and the reason why is apparently there's a a duo named Pat and Bud. And I think... It says... <laughs> Mango tweet... And apparently Mango made a little small thread. According to what Mango says here... Great news! The children's book for developing readers... That uh, Sue and I have been working on for a while... Has now been published on Amazon. It's called Hot Chips, Mad Fish, and Other Tales. And it says this is Pat. It is by Sue Marcus... Shushio, illustrated by Chencho Cha Mango. Oh, anyway, more details Mango says here is, I illustrated the pictures, and Sue was the mastermind behind all the brilliant stories. Here's a preview. That boy and his dog look familiar. And apparently, according to some of the things it says here, uh, Bud ran and ran and ran. And Pat did yell uh, at Bud. No mud, Bud. But ran, ran, ran. <laughs> anyway, Mangle says here, Sue and I have a blast working on this. And it was a great honor for me to help her start and finish the stream project. She's been wanted to work on since her time as a special education teacher. Please go buy this fun book for your kids. Heck, buy it for yourself. So... <laughs> Apparently, if you guys want to know, the book, uh, uh, the character is actually, <laughs> it's actually, it's actually Trent. I did his dog bow. <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, wait, let me see this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen to this tweet. Mangle said when Trent shared this out. He said Mangle says here, thank you, big man, for single blasting this. This guy's probably busy celebrating his friend's victory belt, but he still put the time to help Sue and I promote this. You're a are eternally a grateful son to your mom and me. And Sue says, Yes, thank you so much, my Greggy. He's the best. Yeah, we have to agree with that. Your son did really help out, out both of you. So we both love you. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, uh, Greg. Anyway, uh, yeah, I just really wanted to point that one out. Um, 
Um, so anyway, um, so how do I put this? So yeah, I'm really happy that, uh, you know, for Trent, for Trent to do that. I mean, and for, and you're wondering what was Mango referring to? Uh, I guess I could explain this as well. Um, what happened was, I think it happened on what? Dynamite? Uh, Orange Cassidy just defeated, what happened was on Dynamite, uh, Orange Cassidy defeated, uh, uh, that, the, um, uh, that defeated that door, that dingus British boy, Pac, uh, and won the All-American, uh, championship belt. <laughs> uh, so yeah, congrats to, uh, Orange Cassidy, <laughs> and and on top of that, oh yeah, and because of that, um, I also should mention this. Because of that, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Brandon Cutler shared something on Twitter. It was very hilariously funny. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> he says, ah, jeez, he's forgot this is a thing. And he tagged in Orange Cassidy and he shows us the, he shows a video clip of his, of his uh, screen. And he got tagged in by a lot, he got tweeted by a lot of people who says, hey, Brad Brand Cutler, go for it. Hashtag freshly pranked. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! It's very funny that happened, <laughs> and apparently somebody who's running the uh, Twitter account, Arch Cassidy Stum, um, says hashtag All Atlantic Ari in full effect, hashtag Friday Vice, hashtag Weekend Mood, hashtag AEW yeah. Uh, so, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess you could say Chris Casually decides to prank the Brandon Cutler on Twitter with, <laughs> with everybody tweeting at him. <laughs> Pretty hilariously funny, to say the least. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> so... Anyway, so I know most of you guys are one P two and so yeah, so as you guys still don't know, uh Brandon Cutler is still back uh with um as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Brandon Cutler is back in AEW but he's been seen and uh oh, excuse me. He's been seen and uh dark yellow uh uh, Dark Elevation and, uh, and AEW Dark. So, uh, I'm just surprised that he is back at that. So, yeah. So, that's all I'm about to say about this, but... Anyway, I hope you guys join this podcast. Um, if you do, make sure to enjoy this. And 
I'll be back within another episode, I think. Um, I don't know what I'll be talking about. about. I mean, I'll check to see if there's any other wrestling news stuff. Uh, but yeah. Um, anyway. Um, anyway, thank you all for listening to this podcast. And I'll see you soon. Till then. Bye for now.